You're listening to Building the Game with Rob and Jason. It's Building the Game with Jason and Rob. For tabletop game design, you really can't go wrong. Building the Game, yeah, Building the Game. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. You're listening to episode 295. Today is Monday, January 22nd, and I am here. Uh, Rob is gone. I've kicked Rob out, and I, Jason, am here uh, with the man once voted the least likable Matt in game design, and that is in a contest that included Matt Loomis and Matt Wolf. That's right. I have Matt Riddle here with me. Hey, Matt. I, I wasn't listening. Um <laughs> But I wanted to thank you, Rob, for having me on. It's about time you fired Jason and upgraded. So I'm, if, I'm glad. Oh, hey, what's up, Jason? What's going on, man? If only. <laughs> if only. So, uh, yeah, I know. It's good. It's good. So, yeah, Rob is out of Rob. So, Rob got stuck on a work trip that really nice. sucks out of nowhere. Any place good? No. I don't even remember where he is, but it's terrible, I'm pretty sure. And he's miserable, I'm sure. So, uh, God, it's like Baltimore if Unpub's not there, for example, <laughs> or Northern Ohio. Or he might be. What, in, other, what other places suck? He might be in Georgia. He might be in Atlanta or a suburb See, of Atlanta. But I don't think he has like a rental car or anything. So, got it. I mean, Atlanta in January could be worse. Let's be honest. That's fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you could be in Michigan in January. Exactly. Yeah, you could be in <laughs> Detroit. Yeah, so it is. It's been really, really cold lately. Uh, like this is the coldest winter ever. That's just according to my personal feelings. I don't have any data to back that up, but no, I'm convinced it's the most snow I've ever had in my house. <laughs> but I don't know that that's true. It just constantly snows three inches, like every every day. Whatever. We're complaining about Michigan weather, but it right. sucks. That's the point. Right. So, uh, so hey, what is uh, what is up with you that is not game design related? What do you what do you, you know, what do you do that's not game design related? You're into, yeah. So not 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 too much. I mean, we definitely, you know, I, I've got teenagers. They're twelve and thirteen. And obviously, it's the school year, so it's you know school, 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 homework, school. And then my lovely wife uh, actually has a broken foot, so she has one of those like cards oh. where you put your knee on it, and roll around, that which is which sucks for her. But I'm not gonna lie. Can you put sucks a ski on it? Too. Yeah, it does suck for you too. Can you put a ski on it? Because that might be I, useful. I, it, it might help. No, uh, it just means that I do all the driving. So, like, all the kid pick up and drop offs, like, ah. times double. So, right. you know, I'm, it's, uh, it's terrible for her and super terrible for me as well. But I don't like the, way, hanging out the woman with the broken foot. It's terrible for her, but it's super terrible for the guy that has to deal with it. Nice. <laughs> you guys got to nice. slubber the poor lady around. But, uh, no, no, it's just, uh, it's been good. You know, I had a wedding. My sister got married this past weekend, so I got to do that. And actually, Ben was the pastor. I saw that on on uh, Twitter and was like, "Oh my gosh!" I I yes. heard that he does that. Uh, he doesn't until he signed up on something called the UniversalLifeChurch.com. Oh, seriously? Is, like completely he... free. Like they don't I... even make you like right. pay him five bucks. It's like all free. That's that's so, how you know what's real. That, that means it's legit, I think, obviously. I think what I'm thinking, I think he mentioned to me that he was going to be doing this, and that may be where I got that from. Because I was like, I swear he's done this before, but no, I think that's what it was. I think he might have said yeah. that. No, it was cool, though. It was it was funny to see him in that role, but he, he did a good job. You know, he was funny and engaging, and it went well. He, he kind of looks like a guy that used to be the cool youth pastor, but now he's like... He's not sure what to do. Like he's transitioned. Like he's old enough that he's like, "Am I still a youth pastor? I don't think I should be like a real pastor, pastor." And I'm not sure what to do. So, it, dude, as someone that grew up in you know like a non-denominational church that had a few youth pastors right. in their day, that is totally legit because <laughs> that guy is totally a thing. He's like, because you're like you know when you're in your twenties, you're right. like you know you're cool and you're pretending like the kids like you, and then right. like you're forty. The kids right. don't like you anymore because you're not cool. Right. So I gotta either gotta like make the jump to big church or I don't know, go work at Wendy's. I guess I don't. I don't I'm not sure what those guys do, <laughs> honestly. And I'm sure God has a plan and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, whatever, whatever they do, I don't know what it is. Can can Ben play guitar? He can. Oh, he, he can or can't? 
He can't. He, can. he is actually a legitimate guitarist. Okay, so then he could be, because there's one rule. If you're going to be a youth pastor, what I've seen my entire life, not only on TV, but at churches, you must be able to play guitar. Like, that's like legit. You can't sing Kumbaya if you can't play a guitar. So. Exactly. I don't, I, I, th- I mean, he's saying, God, do I ever hear him sing? He sang a song at his own wedding. Like, he sang to his wife. Whoa. It was good. Yeah, wow. no, legit. Like, he wrote, he wrote her a song. It was like equivalent to like you know the Woody Harrelson song in Cheers, like you know, uh, what was the episode where he plays the piano and sings that song where it's like her name over and over again? I don't remember. Were you that, a Cheers guy? At I all? did watch Cheers, but that was a long time ago. Dude, I know. I'm, that's because I'm old. But uh, <laughs> you know me too. It's like Becky, 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 Becky. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. It was, it was better <laughs> than that song. But yeah, no, he like legit sing it. He's good. He can sing. Oh, I think it was Kelly, 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 Kelly. Whatever. It's the Kelly song, I think. The point is, uh, yeah, Ben can sing and play guitar, so yeah, he could totally be your stereotypical youth pastor, well, yeah. now a little bit too old. Yeah, who's now washed up. Well, so who knew this was going to be the embarrassed Ben Pinchback show? I, I know. I did not, not expect that. you got to not tell him ahead of time. Does he yeah, know you're I, recording? I and he listens, too. So. I know, right? <laughs> oh, I don't even think I even told him I was doing the show, honestly. I, I forgot even to mention it. better. Today. Yeah, just don't tell him. He'll never know. Oh, this is going to be in. great. Yeah. I'm excited for that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, cool. You wanna, do you want to argue about Star Wars or something? That's always good. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't because you're right. Mostly. You're mostly right. And Rob's not here to have me explain to him why he's wrong. <laughs> and I already spent two hours, actually two and a half hours, on on um, Geek All-Stars giving my Star Wars opinion. So we can, I think if anyone has sought out my Star Wars opinion, it's available to them via the interwebs. So go do that if you're interested. So, but. so speaking of Geek All-Stars, I have to talk about something funny that happened. Um, uh, so uh, I saw Geek all uh, Matt Wolf from Geek all Matt Wolf's on Geek All-Stars, right? Sometimes it's usually yeah. uh, Patrice and Kirkman, but Wolfie goes on there every now and then. Okay, so he was unboxing the board game Mento for December. Did you see I, this video? I haven't watched it yet. I saw that he did it, and I saw Patrice. I think it was share it, and I haven't actually gone to watch. I heard it's yeah. funny. So, uh, so uh, the first game is. I'm going to just spoil it for you because uh, yeah. I want to talk about it. So the first game is. <laughs> so the the uh, so here's a little foreshadowing. The theme was fun in the sun. So the first game was Flag Dash. Uh, so he pulls it out. He starts and like, and he's like an encyclopedia, like some designers are. He's like, this game, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, I've never even heard of that. Like, and then he pulls out the next game. You know what it was? No. Water balloon washout. <laughs> are you kidding me? Yeah. How did water balloon washout end up in a bento box? I sold it to them. So I had a bunch <laughs> of extra copies, and so I they they did on real estate a few months back. Uh, or back in September, I think they did in real estate. So um, Mark sent me their information, and I was like, "Hey, I got a bunch of this laying around. Uh, I can sell it to you cheap if you're looking for a small box game to fill out one of your bento boxes." Uh, so he said, "Hey, send me the game." He tried it. He liked it, and uh, he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I'll take uh, 450 copies of it." So I was like, "Heck yeah!" So that you had in. that many copies still. Yeah. So I originally printed around 1,100 copies, and I've sold okay. like. 600 ish uh on my own which is pretty decent considering i didn't do distribution like i went to stores in michigan and like pounded the pavement (laughs) and sold them 10 at a time um so yeah so i've done all right and i still sell some copies on the website now and then uh the building the game website um but uh yeah so it was just pretty funny because i remember i was matt wolf and i were making fun of each other on twitter i don't remember why but he mocked me he was like he was like i want to he's like someday when you get a game published, like a real game, not like your kid project that was Waterboom Washout, he's like, I'm going to mock your game. Uh, spoiler alert, he totally, I'm pretty sure he backed on real estate, so whatever. But anyways, yes. uh, so so funny thing, yeah, so that he got that. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just funny. It cracked me up. So I'm uh, going to go watch it, actually, yeah. after we're done. And then the third one was, I don't remember what the third one was, but it was a Uwe Rosenberg game, so... Wow, yeah. that's that's not yeah. bad. Uh, yeah, you know, no, bad company that for was you. that was the game, right? That you were so like, hold on, though. You're telling me the bento box guy plays the games and like says, oh yeah, yeah, I can totally put that in a box of things that people don't know what's coming anyway. 
Like he has to truly. He does. You know, yeah. No. He's the games. I, I mean, I'm guessing that if it's like a big famous game, he's not like the Uwe Rosenberg game, right? I'm guessing he didn't play that if he hadn't already, because he was like, you know what? Hey, this is a good name to have attached to this. But no, with the smaller games that he doesn't know, he for sure plays them to make sure that they are um, that they're uh, they fit into their. Because the thing is, I mean, people are paying them money for that, right? They yeah, don't want to feel like they're just throwing anything in there. Um, I guess. I mean, you know, so that's, uh, uh, but I'm, yeah. So anyways, I'm actually builders. I'm going to do, we'll do a whole in January, uh, probably next episode's Rob back. That'll be the main feature where I'm just going to talk about the process of working with them because it was an interesting process. So, um, and then when, with unreal estate, all I did was get paid. Like I didn't do anything. Right. Um, so with this, I like, I went back and forth with them and, they're based in Canada, and wow, that's a hassle. Uh, so yeah, um, Canada's awesome. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that. Um, well, hey, we we said we were going to talk about a topic tonight, and actually, when I when I found out Rob was going to be gone, I said, "Well, Rob's going to be gone. I've got to pick a couple of guests." And I thought I, I thought of like like I thought of like the standard like I would ask like Mills right or Kopac mm-hmm. like the people that I know. I ask, they'll be there. We've had fun recording before. Always a good time. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to ask Riddle because I can think of questions I want to ask him and no one will expect that. So, <laughs> so, and I, uh, like, I mean, said to you when I said, when I asked you, I said, this is, this is most likely not a trick. Like this really it's is almost like, definitely not a trap. Yeah. Though when you were 25 minutes late to the recording, I honestly thought <laughs> that you had punked me and I was like, that jerk is not going to show up. Like this is his revenge on me. Yeah, no, like legitimately. I wish I had planned on being stupidly late because it's hilarious. But no, no, it was just literally distracted by TV. As I, well, actually, I was reading a book, but still, whatever. Sitting on the couch, all the uh, right. the daughter used the computer right until she's like, "Dad, someone's skyping you." Like, <laughs> For like oh. the seventh time. <laughs> I would like try and call you, tweet at you. Try and call you, tweet at you. And then Mills started responding. Like, I saw that. Like, I saw that. I guess I, I should have. Well, not that it would have mattered because I wouldn't have heard it anyway. But I guess in theory, we should have exchanged numbers. But hey, future reference. We're good now. We're right, all set. right, right. Yeah. So, uh, but anyways, um, so yeah, I, but I, I thought I had some, some good stuff that I know you're good at uh, when it comes to game design. Um, certainly not the actual designing of games, but. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. no. The, uh, I just go tell Ben on that, so no worries. <laughs> but no, you um, you have a special skill which involves um, working with publishers to get meetings, uh, no doubt to uh, coerce them into signing your games and all of those things. Um, but I, uh, in addition to that, like I, so so I want to say, like I, I'm a pretty good salesperson when it comes to my own stuff. I always yeah. have been. Uh, when it comes to my my day job. I'm not a salesman, but I, uh, working with other people in different departments, like, you know, you got to sell ideas and projects to them. And I I excel at that, right? Like I feel good about saying that I'm really good at that. But when it comes to sitting down with a publisher, like if you get me sitting down with them, I'm fine. But the whole idea of approaching a publisher, um, like I really struggle with that. Like I, I have a really hard time, um, contacting a publisher and saying, Hey, you know, like I, I want to talk to you about my game because all I can think of is this is, this is, this is what I like in it too. And I know you're a guest and I'm doing all the talking, but I, I want to set this up so that you can, yeah. you know, make me smarter. Well, I liken it to this. We get emails all the time of, Hey, will you interview me for your podcast? Right. And we've talked about this before. And my hard and fast rule is if you don't at least say something about liking our podcast in a way that makes me believe you actually listen, I just delete the email. <laughs> and it's because we get a lot of requests. And frankly, if we're going to help somebody out, I want to help out a builder, right? Yeah, now, we, 100%. we go out and request interviews all the time. And now there are people, right? You know, I mean, there are certain designers that if they emailed me and said, hey, we, can I be on your show? I've never listened, but I'm a famous designer. I'd be like, yeah, come on, right? But these are not those people, right? Um, and you know, I actually had some guy just recently send me an email. This is a tangent. But he sent me an email and said, hey, is this podcast still active? Uh, if so, how does one go about getting an interview? And like, I'm going to respond to that one and I'm probably going to be a jerk like, because normally, like I said, I just delete them. And I was like, dude, you're not even trying. Like you could have just searched this on iTunes and been like, oh, look, they're still publishing episodes. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't have 
episode from last Sunday. Okay, I guess right. they're good. Exactly, All right. right? So so anyways, I um Yeah, so I, I feel like that guy, when I when I send a message to uh you know, uh to a, a publisher, there's a publisher actually a while back that I gave a game to. I'm very excited about the game. I signed a bunch of stuff so they could look at it because they made me sign a um an agreement just so they would look at the game. Uh they looked at it, I believe. Mm-hmm. They've never responded back. And so I went to a friend and said, Hey, listen, this person from this company, can I email them again? They said, Oh yeah, they're super cool. Email them again. No response. Zero response. Like that's what I'm terrified of every time I reach out. So yeah. all right. knowing all that, what what do you got? <laughs> no, got it. So that is legit. I mean, there's there's companies, I mean, this is gonna be hard to believe, but they haven't even responded to me. Whoa, which is like wow. what no uh, all joking aside um <laughs> you, you it is you know especially early on i'm gonna i guess i'm gonna approach this two ways one i think i'm gonna try to go backwards a few years so ben and i just started out so it, with you know fleet for example it was truly just volume shooting um we didn't know we didn't know to some extent right so we didn't mm-hmm. like you know say okay fleet would be a good fit for this publisher we just said hey if they have a publisher page if, if they have a web page and a contact information and a submission process i'm going to do it and right. i did two dozen of them you know right. literally you know and i did everybody you know days of wonder mayfair like all the big boys i, I didn't kickstarter wasn't really a thing yet so there wasn't 700 you know new publishers <laughs> right right games. it was just the classics cuz this is as much as it's only gosh Four years or five years ago, basically, that we did Fleet. That's a long time ago in the age of Kickstarter. The industry is you know very I mean? different than it was five years ago. And exactly. a lot bigger. A lot bigger. Much bigger. So, you know, that's actually, it also, that also ties into my first piece of advice. And that's, you know, some, you hear stories about, you know, guys that, you know, people love to tell the story about they're sitting at like a con and eating dinner and talking about their game and they sit down with this publisher and like they make a handshake and a napkin agreement, blah, blah. And that, that's all great. That's, the 1%. 99% of the time, or maybe some percentage slightly lower than that, it's because you submitted a game idea to them via their submission process. And guess what? Most publishers have a submission process. Right. Sometimes it's just email some guy. Sometimes it's fill a form out email it to, I say guy asexually, but, you know, guy, girl. I know what you sometimes mean, yeah. it's fill, Sometimes it's fill this form out and then attach your rules. Sometimes it's give us an elevator pitch. Sometimes it's we don't take emails, we'll meet you at a con. Whatever it is, it's generally going to be information available to you on their website. Go find it and follow the process. Don't try to, you know, like there's nothing wrong with being like, hey, if you got a buddy who knows a guy or, you know, you got a buddy who knows somebody and you're going to like try to go that way. That's fine, too. But most of the time, they just want you to go through the normal channels. And to Jason's point, you know, the point you made earlier a second ago, you're going to get completely ignored as often as you're not. Um, Many, many publishers won't even give you the courtesy of the, hey, I took a look at this, not interested. You're just going to get ignored. And that's even going to happen sometimes after you've signed a game. Just FYI. No, so, I've, we, I've, we've, yeah, no, Rob and I have experienced that. Or yes. signing a game and then they decide that they don't want to publish it for some reason. So, yeah. That happens too. That happens too. But <laughs> it does. It, it does. In the, in the before process, you kind of, I, I look at it twofold. Some publishers are very, very good. They have a process in place, they respond within. 24 or 48 hours. Some of them will get back to you months later out of the blue. Most, I would say, are, are higher percentage. You'll just never hear from. It's because those guys, those those folks are overwhelmed. You know, they're getting for every, think about every everything you push in, there's a hundred or a thousand more people also pushing an idea to right. them. And you just have to understand that sometimes it's like anything else, right? It's a little bit of luck and a little bit of, you happen to put the email in on a day that they had time, they looked at it, they looked at the rules, et cetera, and they proceed. So the first, all that to say, the, the short answer there is that you're going to get ignored and that sucks and it's frustrating and it's going to make you a little bit grumpy, but you just have to be persistent and follow the process that the publishers laid out, which again, most times very simple. These aren't big companies. These are usually two or three person operations. So even the bigger German companies, there's you know four or five guys sometimes, or sometimes ten, twelve people. I mean, obviously Ravensburger is a corporate company, but most of them are pretty small companies. You know, right, you're dealing right. with one person who handles submissions usually. So whoever that person is, just email them what they're asking for, and it's usually very well laid out. Right. Well, and that's I think that's I mean that's that is really good advice, and that's why I think I was a little disheartened with the, the one company because 
Like they had all these hoops I had to jump through before they would even look at a game, right? Mm-hmm. Like they had just as many hoops to jump through as Hasbro did when I first Ugh. when I applied to Hasbro. Yeah. Um, except for the difference was Hasbro like communicated with me and got back to me. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it funny how sometimes the bigger companies who you think you know don't want to deal with schlubs like you know you you guys and us guys and. They're the ones that actually are a little more responsive and a little quicker, only because they have a more defined process. Right. And I think a dedicated person. Right. You know, like, for example, we dealt with Ravensburger for a long time. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, we lost two years with them on a game, and there was months and months stretching with no, with no, you know, this is more after being, you know, not signed, but after being evaluated. There's months right. of quiet in between emails. But the point is, yeah, they were, they at least generally got back to you. And there's other companies you'd think, hey, that guy, He's, you know, he knows who we are, we know who he is, and they just ignore you. It's like, okay, I guess this one isn't going to work out. So I, I don't get disheartened, I guess, is probably my follow-up advice to, you know, follow process. Number step two is don't get disheartened. And I think one thing, and this is advice that took us a while to kind of to come to, most publishers understand the situation that you're in, and that's that you're trying to get your game signed. So until they have a prototype in hand or have asked for exclusivity, they don't have it. Don't give it to them. Right. Don't assume they want it. Until they've asked for exclusivity on a prototype or a design, then they should. They understand that you've shown it to 800 other people. So right. I, a lot of, you know, you're kind of inclined. And there's a business aspect to this, Jason. Like you said earlier, right? Like, you know, you do some communication in business, and I, and I do as well in my role. And in that setting, though, you're usually talking, at least in my case because it's internal customers, I'm talking to one customer at a time, and I'm doing something for them. And I think at first that carried over to how I – approach the games even though i did carpet bomb you know fleet so to speak the first time right it it became a little you know there's always this kind of weirdness between if if you're sending a prototype does that mean you can only send it to one company do they assume there's they have an exclusive right to review etc or can you waste their time quote unquote because it's another company the answer is unless they ask for it they don't have it so send a prototype and rules to as many companies as you want in my opinion if you piss one off one time well in my opinion they're the ones in the wrong because they, again, unless right. you unless you ask specifically for exclusivity right. in the sense that they say, hey, once we have this prototype, we want time to evaluate it, and you know, and this, if it's a company you really want to work with, obviously, then you you can be willing to do that. But a lot of companies like AEG, for example, who's you know pretty big, yeah. they even go as far as to tell you, hey, yep. we don't require or even expect exclusive, you know, yep. it is this to be an exclusive thing. Continue showing it. If something else happens, great. Yeah, I had them. Else, understand. I had them take a prototype for me one time, and they ended up not doing it, and that was fine. But uh, Ryan, is that his name, Ryan? Hmm. I guess I don't. I, I was working with. Um, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> uh, Todd, I think I worked with Todd. Okay, I think this, I think this guy's name was Ryan. Um, and okay. he um, he he said he took the game and he said, "Listen, if you find somebody else." who wants this game this weekend. It was at Gen Con. He's like, you sell them this game. He's like, yep. we got lots of options. We got lots of games. We may want to publish your game, but you know what? No hard feelings. I want you to publish your game with anyone. So yeah. you find a deal and you want it, you take that deal. Just let me know, and we'll and we'll know that we're not going to do anything with it. Like, Agreed. That, that's 100%. That's amazing. I thought, I, Jason, I totally agree. And that's actually, he makes a good point. The other part is you know obviously the communication right so if you have a few prototypes out and one company decides they want to move forward and you want to move forward with them then let the other guys the other companies know let them know that hey i've signed this game with another company sorry you know i i never ask for a prototype back um a lot of companies are going to offer it back to you and i'll and i'll take it but i do feel like you know it's the cost of doing business is my prototype, and that's okay. Right. So I, I know not all designers feel that way. I, I know from talking to publishers, some guys or girls that design games are very specific, and you know, like to the point of kind of pushing to get their back, their right. prototype right. back. And I understand that, but I don't know. To me, it seems like bad business. You don't want to burn a bridge over a prototype. Right. I get it. They take a lot of time to make. I uh but, I actually had only, I've only done that one time and it was with uh uh it was with Eagle Griffin um because in this is and this is why uh where I said dude I'm sorry I need this back because when they decided they weren't going to publish it which up front 
he said, I'll, I'll send it back to you if we don't yeah, want it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But it was Minecart Madness, and the reason was that's not the game I intended to pitch to them. I pitched him a game, and he didn't like it. And I said, I also have a game about minecarts racing. And he was like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Like, I want to see, the, show me that game right now. And then he looked at yeah. it and was like, I want this game. I want to take it and play it. Not like I want to publish it, but like, I want to take it. I want to play with the guys. Can I take this prototype? And I was like, oh, gosh. And he's like, I will send it back to you. I promise. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the reason was I made changes in that prototype that weren't documented anywhere else <laughs> because I was working on it that weekend. I wasn't pitching it, right? Um, right, yep. But when, you know, when a publisher says I want it, now as somebody else pointed out, I probably should have taken some pictures of some cards. Yeah, screw you guys. You're smart. I get it. <laughs> but it was a blur. I was really excited. They're a cool company, and they suddenly were asking to look at one of my games. Seriously. So. Absolutely. No, and, and listen, most will send, most do and will send it back. I mean, it's not all, but, you know, most of them that I found, you know, do try or at least intend to send it back so right. it's it's fine i just you know some of the things you know kind of having done this for a while now and having worked with a lot of different publishers i, I do hear so many stories about designers you know not burning bridges on purpose but just being incredibly difficult to work with right and right. at the end of the day this is a relationship and there are no shortage of games and no shortage of game designers right, and i don't right. say that to diminish what we do or to say that it's not, you know, something that's a unique skill that should be celebrated because it is. But there's also five, you know, if they don't want your game, there's five more waiting for them to try. So right. for sure, it, you can't be buddies with everybody. And I don't, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying be professional and be, you know, if not friendly, then be civil or you know, cordial. I guess it's probably a better word because it, it's something you're going to deal. You're going to deal with these people a lot over the course of your game going from say signing to publishing and they want to work with people that they like or at least they get along with or that at least are professional so if you're not going to be any of those things it's going to be very difficult for you to get the opportunity to you know publish your game so try to approach it in the same way you would approach any other relationship which is you know in my opinion with you know kindness and professionalism right right and that's you know i mean there are people are going to make decisions you don't like um, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be tough spots. I mean, having had a game with a publisher and then had the publisher decide six months in, eh, I don't think we want this game anymore. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I I'm still friends with those people, right? Like, you know, I mean, that's because y it's business, right? And that was the first thing I said to them when they told me that. I said, it's business. I get it. Like, and they're like, why? You should be mad. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I'm not happy, but like, it's business. And right? I mean, what are you going to do? You're making a business decision. Uh, it's not a decision I like, but you know, I mean, I work in the corporate world. I understand what that's like and, uh, games aren't that way, but like you said, you should treat the relationships the same. Um, and that's important, right? I mean, that's important to, uh, to, to keep those relationships good because for one, I mean, just to be a decent human being, right. Uh, and for two, because burning bridges is stupid, especially in this industry. I mean, yeah. Yep. Um, designers that are hard to work with. I mean, we know who those designers are. Like I've heard the same annoying stories about the same designers from multiple publishers. Like, and you know what? You've heard those stories about those same people too, right? Right. Because yeah, exactly. Publishers Listen, talk. Loomis has come a long way. All right. He's, <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> he hired Isaac. <laughs> but, no, I'm joking. But, but no, no like, right. so, you, do, but, you hear the same stories about, you know, people that are difficult to work with right, and right, right. it makes yeah. it difficult to sign another game. But it is think about that though like if you talk to any game designer right and you that that is around the group of probably 50 to 100 game designers we know and you say Matt Loomis they're going to be like the guy with the computer brain right because exactly. your reputation gets around turns out for him that's a good thing right um right. but but I mean that's that's a thing you know I mean so we have to remember that guarding your reputation is important um it is no it 100% is and yeah you can say, well, yeah, but the company, company X, Y, or Z doesn't know who you are. And they don't at first. But right. again, how are, you know, how you hold yourself and how you act is important for, yeah, you can get a really good game signed with a really cool company because it's just a great game and someone's right. going to sign it. But at the end of the day, if you want to do it again and work with that company again or work with the right. company, because it is, a, it is a small industry and a lot of people know each other and it's a lot of folks that have been together for a long time and a lot of people move around and, you know, you can look at 
you know, whatever, doesn't matter, I could pick a name, I guess, but you can look at folks that are now on their third or fourth different game companies, whether it be as the president or as a developer or whatever, they just, they've moved around a bunch of times for whatever reason. So, you know, these, a lot of the <laughs> folks leave one company, go to the next. Right, so right. It's, it's important always to, to, you know, try to maintain those relationships in a positive way. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So what, um, what, here's some, here's another question for you then. So what advice might you give? So like, here's, here's the situation I find myself in, right? Like I have, I, I self-published a game. I had a game published by a publisher. I've got a couple of the games I'm working on. Some of them I think look promising with, you know, I'm, uh, I'm working on a game uh, with, uh, with another designer. Uh, and I, I think that game's, I think I'm confident that game will get published uh, at some point. Um, is this and, what you're coattailing Gilmore on? <laughs> it's, it's, well, maybe. No, this is a, this is a different <laughs> one. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, that, I'm, okay. That, that Gilmore is coattailing me on, frankly. Um, Got it. Hey, well, we've <laughs> no, all been there. No, 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 no. Um, no, Gilmore and I are working on another game together uh, that he happened awesome. to see, and he was like giving me feedback, and he said, "I feel like we should co-design this because I feel like I'm giving you lots of feedback." And I was like, "I feel like you're right because you completely changed the game, and it's way awesomer now." Um, and uh, <laughs> no, he's good. so he's, we, good. he's good at what he does. Yeah, he is. He is. You know, it's funny because uh, you could think a game is done. Like this game, I need to tweak this one thing, and he's like. He plays it once and he's like, oh, yeah, you just need to tweak this one thing. And then two months later, we've changed most of the game. It somehow is still true to the core of the game, yet way better. And we've made changes that I would have never made on my own, right? Because because just I, I wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't have. I would have been like, oh, I could do that. Oh, no, that's too drastic of a change. And he he's not attached to it. So he's just like, oh, yep. let's just try yep. it. And then I'm like, oh, yep. dang, you're right again. There's a reason why he's he's super smart. So, but anyway, yeah. anyway. So, you know, like that's a game that's really solid. I, I believe that we will get that game somewhere at some point if we keep at it, right? And I, I hope we do. Um, yeah. He's also super busy, so you never know, right? <laughs> I understand. But, but anyways, um, you know, I having two games out there, like, and one of them isn't in real distribution anymore. Um, like that, like I really. I struggle because I want to get to that point where I've got four or five games out there, right? To where I, I not even because I think it's going to get easier in the fact that, you know, because I've heard some people say it gets easier and I've heard some people say it never gets easier, right? Because <laughs> as, as we know, what's a mostly true statement is designers don't sell games, right? People don't go to Kickstarter because Matt and Ben designed a game. Now, I mean, some Correct. people do, right? But your general gaming populace does not look at the names on the box unless you're super famous, right? Correct. It's um, a small percentage right. that do. And the ones that do, that's a boon for you because when you put up a Kickstarter, those are going to be the people that back right away, right? Oh, I yeah. back their yeah. games. Like, I trust them. I like their games. I back their games. Um, but but, but I feel like my confidence level would be a thousand times more if I had a couple other publishers sign something of mine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I guess I don't know what advice I'm looking for there. <laughs> but, like, I... That's that you know. That's kind of where my headspace is. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. Well, I, I, it doesn't. It doesn't get easier in the sense that you know publishers still are just as happy to. I mean, again, with a few exceptions, you know, Uwe Rosenberg and Feld and you know, like the truly Cathana, cream of the crop yeah. guys. Exactly. The uh, you know there aren't. Like you said, the name is very rarely what sells the game. So for the rest of us, you know, we're still just pitching a game to a publisher. And the publisher has to like the game, right? So that doesn't get any easier because you still have to make a good game, right? Which is the hard part, honestly. Or everyone would do it. So what gets easier is, yeah. So once you know a publisher, once you pitch them, you know, five or six times in many cases. I mean, I think we've told the story a hundred times, but you know, with our, Ben and I have a real grand coming out in Marchish. And cool. we pitched Jay Tumbleson, the real grand guy, six times, probably. And it was the variations of the same game. And he could not tell you to this day, I think, who we are, even after <laughs> sitting with him for six separate hours and signing our game. I, I don't know that he could pick us out of a lineup. Right, but right. That's neither, that's neither here nor there. Um, you know, that was because each time we got a little bit of feedback. And we had persistence because, you know, real grand was kind of a a bucket list, you know, publish, publisher of ours, and they're kind of an old-school classic one, and it was just cool to have a real grand game. Um, I, I say that to say that once you've signed a few games, so to your point, right, let's say you've you you know, you've got 
obviously self-published doesn't really help you necessarily navigate industry, but, um, you know, you're on real estate did you've, you know, you've got grand gamers guild. You have an in there, you go to cons, which by the way is my third tip, go to cons. Yeah. Meet people. That is, that's really important. Meet de- yeah. Meet designers, meet publishers. Cause these are, these folks are just, they're just us. They're just us who decide to start a business. I mean, there's, there's no difference between you and I and random publisher a, except for they've been doing it for longer. Right. And they decided right. to start a business and it was successful. So they're at the at their core, at their hearts, they're just gamers like the rest of us. So go to cons and meet them. That said, though, once you've been out there a few times, you know, you have pitched more, you've signed more. It's just that many more, you know, it's like anything else, right? It's that many more ins. It's that, it's that you've decreased your barrier of entry. Because once you know someone and you pitch them four or five times, the, or they've signed a game of yours, they know what to expect. And you know if you're if you are putting good games in front of them, which by the way, tip number four, don't show half-ass games. I right. would be shocked at how many how often this happens to publishers. Like, are clearly you know, there might be a good idea, but the game isn't done. Well, publishers, they're gonna there's, they're, they're gonna lie to you, and they're gonna tell you you know they can see the kernel of the game and they want to work on it with you, and they do a little bit, but what they want more than that is a finished product. Right, they want to have less development time, right? Exactly. They want a product they can sell, and yeah, they're going to still going to develop it. You know, some of them, and you know, get it out how they want it. But at the end of the day, the closer the better. So make sure your game's done before you're pitching it. That's you know, whatever. That's that's kind of advice. I, you know, as I'm walking, as I'm passing by. But right, to finish answering right. your question, um, it does get easier because you've just got you know your 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 network is broadened by the time you get to your third or fourth game. The game design doesn't get any easier. I mean, I, do I think Ben and I have gotten better at it? Yes. So I think we know, you know, maybe a little more specifically. You know, I think we we're a little more targeted now in you know what we're trying to do with a game. As before, it was kind of just more of a classic creative process. So it gets a little easier in that sense. But overall, it's still hard to make a good game. So it's really more about just you know put, putting that work in, and then the signing it or the pitching side is just the networking. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. Cool. Well, I feel like we should probably move on here. That was a good conversation, but we're running low on time. So, um, so now, now I need you to, uh, you said you'd pitch a game and you promised to not pitch anything too cool. So I, I won't. Yeah. I wouldn't want to give anyone <laughs> any good ideas, obviously. Right. Right. Um, I don't want to steal your ideas. No. So I, I am going to pitch a game and I'm going to pitch a game that Ben and I have worked on. And people maybe even played, but it's just it's not it's, it's fresh of mind for me because it's a game that I've been thinking about, you know, a lot lately because I don't know what to do with it. So I think maybe pitching it to you, Jason, will give me the opportunity to kind of put out there what it is. Then you know maybe we can talk and uh, see where it goes next. Sounds great. So it is a hand management and social trading game called Transylvania Farmer's Market. And in Transylvania Farmer's Market, Farmer's Market, you are farmers who grow all these awesome vegetables in and around, not in, but around Dracula's Castle. But as it turns out, today is the Farmer's Market, and Dracula's having a big old party up at the castle. So he's sending down his, you know, his, uh, his lackeys to pick up a whole bunch of fruits and vegetables to, to throw this big party at. But here's the thing. All they're doing is dropping the orders off. Now, you have to make put those orders together and at the end of the day deliver them to the castle. The problem is, by the end of the day, Dracula's hungry. So you know that he's going to eat one of you, one of the delivery guys that you're sending to the castle. So you're all vying to hide as much garlic as you can in your vegetable orders so that he eats somebody besides you. And the way that works is you're making contracts out of the vegetables you're trading. There's a bit of a sort of Bahanza mechanic where you're kind of doing like the whole, hey, I'm going to keep one. I'm going to reveal some cards. I'm going to keep one. I'm going to put one over here in in the farmer's market. I'm going to give one or trade one to another player. And there's some social negotiation that happens there. But meanwhile, as you continue the contracts, you can use garlic as wild. But the problem is that decreases the value of your contracts. But again, at the end of the day, whoever has the least garlic is going to get bitten by Dracula and lose automatically. So after a whole day of fulfilling contracts, Whoever makes the most money wins. And that is Transylvania Farmer's Market. 
<laughs> that's cool. No, that's yeah. cool. So, like, it's one round then, like... No, it's multiple rounds. So, you basically, you know, the way we had been kind of playing with it was, you know, you again, a little bit kind of by hands of ish in the sense that you're going to get a hand of cards, and then you're going to be, you know, flopping some cards from the middle, you know, kind of into a... In, so, on, on your turn, you're going to pop some cards in the middle, and they're, they're vegetable cards. And there's rarity, right? Peppers are more rare than onions. And you're going to be basically working out a couple of contracts that you've been spotted. And as you complete contracts, you can take a turn to get more contracts out of the contract queue. So over the course of the game, you're kind of just racing to fulfill these orders that are coming out of the castle. But there's going to be the monsters are coming by and they're kind of interfering with things like all the guests to Dracula's party. You know, like Frankenstein and the Wolfman and the right, Blob. Right, right. They're all coming through the market and they're kind of messing you up as they go through. And then once someone's completed, once uh, the monster deck runs out and it's dusk you've all got to deliver your completed orders to the castle but again the twist being you know as you've completed these contracts and stashed the garlic in them whoever has the least garlic loses automatically and then everybody else gets to see how they how much money they made off the orders and then whoever has the most money wins so your turn basically is to do the flop and then they keep in the trade right so i mean really your goal is to have the second uh your goal is to have the least, the second least amount of garlic, basically, right? Exactly. Because that's, that's probably going to be the winner. Yes, most of the time. I mean, you, some another player may end up doing, you know, may end up doing better with the contract and still winning. But yeah, ideally, you probably want to be, you want to have the second least amount of garlic. Right. Because garlic's taking away from your score. You know, it's hurting your because you're not completing a full order, right? If if the castle wanted three peppers, a carrot, and an onion, and you're giving them two peppers, a carrot, and two garlic, well, they're not going to give you as much money for that order because they don't want the garlic, you know, because Dracula hates garlic. Right, right. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a card game. It's a crazy little card game. we got to figure something out. I mean, there's, there's something there. It's fun. You know, we, we've been working on it. It's just a lot. It's a lot of cards right now, and uh, it's kind of a crazy theme. So, you know, I'll have to see what kind of publisher would want kind of a crazy kiddish theme like that. Right, right, right. Well, you know I love Transylvania as a theme, so. Mm-hmm. I've um, heard. <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've, I've always struggled to make it work, um, but this sounds like, I mean, this sounds like a, a way it could work. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Thinking about it as a more kid-friendly theme, that actually makes sense because um, you could have the artwork be a little you know, more kid friendly rather than just like right. Problem dark is in, you know, gross. Kids suck at social games. Yeah, that's a good point. They and do there is a, really definitely bad. a social element to this because there's the again, there's kind of the trading element where you're you know, you're trying to work out a deal for your extra goods that you don't your extra vegetables that you don't need. So, you know, we have to well think that we'll we'll, we'll work it out. I mean, there, there's something there. It's a like I said, it's not doing kicking around for a while on and off. And it's just been really coming fresh to my mind lately. So there's something there to work on. So I am not, by the way, as good at the verbal pitching as you. You are much better than I am at that. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm a little too succinct. Like, I just get to the point and I'm like, oh, that's not a boring crap. Well, here, play it. Maybe you'll like it. Which <laughs> even in even like even in our pitch settings, it's really kind of as much as I'm a little more verbose. Like right. say in these, you know, kind of podcast settings. Right. You know, I tend to be pretty cut and dry and to the point. So Ben and I have to kind of balance off a little bit, you know, on who does the talking depending on the game. But the reality of it is in in the pitch setting, publishers really just want to see your game. I mean, they want right. to know that you're a good person and a nice guy, but they really just want to, you know, have the rules explained and play around right. so they can get a feel for it. So Well, I think that's one of the reasons why I've I've always liked pitching like I have trouble pitching super dry games. Like, I want to pitch games that are just a little quirky because then yeah. I can make people laugh, you know, in the pitch. Like, I can, to the publisher, I can say things that will make them chuckle and, like, make them. I, because I, my goal is always what can I do to make this stand out? What's going to make them, when they get back home, say, ooh, that one game, that, that sounded interesting to me. I want to, I'm going to follow up on that one, you know? Right. Um, absolutely. Not that that has always worked for me because, honestly, I mean, the only game I've actually officially sold was, like, Hey, this is the game. It doesn't have a theme that works very well, uh, <laughs> but it's really fun. And they were like, "Hey, yeah, I want to. I should. I should publish this game." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, 
awesome. And they're like, but I want to change the theme. And I was like, sounds good. So <laughs> Yeah, we've definitely had a little bit of that. Most of the time the theme, most of our games, the theme hasn't really changed. But obviously Wasteland Express we've talked about was like a space game. And, you know, there's definitely publishers that are willing to, you know, kind of look at, um, you know, a, a game and see that it's fun and then work with you on the theme. I mean, right, right, I, right. I heard a pretty cool story about All Sky was, you know, not, I agree, that, that theme is meaningless, but it was something completely different. The publisher's like, well, you know, since the theme is pasted on anyway, let's paste on a Celtic theme instead. Right, right, you know, right. That kind right. of thing. But, so yeah, publishers definitely will work on the theme if they like your game enough. Is that is that every Kinesia game ever? Well, since the theme is math, we're just yeah, going to yeah, make exactly. it about finding a lost city. So the theme is math. So let's find what makes the prettiest art. Okay, there we go. Let's find the or thing that when Jesus people look at it, they don't think math. Yeah, something that hides the math at least five percent. <laughs> right. right, right, yeah, yeah. So cool, cool. All right. Well, that was a good pitch. I would definitely try that game at a con if you had it. So I, I hopefully we will. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, well, hey. I appreciate you coming on the show and giving me all sorts of advice and talking through stuff. I know that a lot of the a lot of the feelings I have and a lot of the questions I have are things that a lot of builders are wondering about as well. And so, um, you know, it's always good to be able to talk to somebody who's been around the block a few times about their uh, thoughts on this stuff. So I appreciate that. No time. I mean, anytime. I, I mean, I know we, you and I kind of joked around earlier. Um, you know, for those of you that don't know, maybe you are builders and have no idea who I am. You know, Jason and I have kind of had this kind of long-running, joking feud right. on Twitter and stuff, and it is 100% in good spirits right, and right. and friendly. But I always do kind of wonder. Some people probably just think we're jerks, <laughs> right. like because when we're mean to each other, and if you have no context, that right. it's a joke. It's just me being mean to you, right. or you being mean to me. <laughs> well, especially because if somebody listens to the show, right? I mean, like they should know that Rob and I being fake mean to each other is pretty standard. But, like, yes. on Twitter, yeah, we, like, if I was just reading our tweets, like, I'd be like, wow, those guys really don't like each other. That's awkward. I know. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, so, so no, no, yeah, we give each other a hard time. I think you, at one point, we were talking to Khan, referred to it as our fake public feud, <laughs> so. Yes, it is. It's our, it is our, our fake public feud. Unlike, unlike the, uh, the feud that I have going with Mills, uh, Josh Mills. That is 100% real. I love that yeah. guy. I love that yeah, guy he, to death, but he's awful. He's not awful, as much so. as I love just making him mad. <laughs> so <Yes. laughs> I purposely will do any chance I get to annoy him. I just mm-hmm. do it uh, because he's, he's one of the best people at taking that. And, and he knows how to give a good reaction. <laughs> so That he does. He does. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well, Hey, we're, we're about out of time here. So, um, yeah, thanks again, and uh, I'm going to do the outro now. It's going to be great. Um, thanks. Jason. Was there anything you want to plug before we go? You got anything coming up here? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, next, I think, what's next in the hopper? So in March-ish, March-April, hopefully March, uh, we do have Beta Colony, which is our full-size like Dominion box Euro with our roll Dell mechanic where you use dice in a rondelle. It's a pretty, it's a really good, wow, fun kind of... Cool. 60 to 75 minute euro for two to four players. I think after that, I would think Songbirds is next if you're willing to, you know, play with German birds. Uh, I think the target for that one is kind of, you know, same time frame, kind of spring. The uh, Lookout, we have a game with it's, it's from Lookout Games. Um, we're gonna, basically, they've asked to be the next Uwe Rosenberg. Now they're going to move on from him, they're going to backfill their line with our games. Uh, that's the rumor. And then um, you <laughs> nice, know, people, nice. are, people are tired of Uwe Rosenberg. So right. they need more. Yeah, more totally back. tired. Who's that guy yeah, anymore? Yeah, who's that clown? So, But in the meantime, they're going to print a, a game called Songbirds, which is a kind of numbers on cards card game. It's it's, it's great, honestly, but it's it's literally a, you know just numbers on cards, classic-y kind of card game. Right. Ladder 29? That's our most recent release. Go look yep. for that. I love Wes, highly endorse know. that game. Love that game. Thanks, Jason. I, I do too. That was a total passion project. Uh, so we played this game in college called Nook, uh, which I believe is it's a Vietnamese card game. And actually, a lot of um, soldiers from Vietnam kind of brought it back with them. You know, a lot of Americans that were, you know, that that's a lot of American soldiers. Yeah. And then yeah. one of those happened to be a, a professor of electrical engineering at Michigan Tech, and he taught 
I bought this game, and it's just a very awesome classic, you know, ladder climbing game. And uh, you know, Ladder Twenty Nine was our kind of love song to that game, where we took sort of that base ladder mechanic and you know, kind of added the hotspot cards and the scoring and how we do all that. So that that's you know kind of a recent a recent release with Green Couch Games, you know, from our buddy Katarski. I think that's pretty much it for the next couple of months. I think, you know, I don't know. Later in the year, we'll have some stuff like Sleepy Hollow and Way of Kings and a few other ones. But I think Songbirds and Beta Calling are our most imminent releases. Cool. cool. Well, awesome. Sounds like good stuff. I'll have to get Songbirds for my mom because she likes numbers on cards and she loves birds. So You know what, dude? Everybody loves I I... To this day, kind of make fun of Ben, but also admit that he's right. I kind of laughed when he told me the theme. He's like, no, dude, it's birds at a bird feeder. I'm like, I I laughed the first time I heard that, too. I know. It sounds so boring. He's like, no, everybody loves their bird feeder. I'm like, I don't know. Sounds dumb. And he was totally right. (laughs) Everybody loves their bird feeder. The Germans love bird feeders. Everybody does. And turns out the Germans did, too. Oh, fleet dice. We're going to have fleet dice. I don't know when. Probably this summer. Cool. So, yeah, Fleet the Dice game. But yeah, that's it. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds great. Cool. All right. Well, then, for real this time, um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you want to get a hold of the podcast, you can call us at 770-HOTEL-BTG, or you can email us at buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can buy our games at buildingthegamepodcast.com. And actually, the email was buildingthegamepodcast.gmail.com. Shut up, Rob. I know. I'm bad at this part. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, Rob is at poorly underscore design, but who cares about that guy? I am at J.A. Slingerlin. The podcast is at PodcastBTG. And Matt is at MD Ridlin. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, too, where he mostly just makes fun of me and other people. Uh, he uses a lot of gifts, so be prepared for that. And, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's all we got. Thanks again, Matt. Everybody have Thanks, a good Jason. night. Building the Game is a co-production of Imminent Entertainment and Poorly Designed Studios. All of the ideas presented by Rob and Jason are property of the Building the Game podcast. Next time on Building the Game. It is, uh, yeah, so you know what we're going to do here, right? We'll record. Well, I, know uh, the show. I know the show, obviously. Yeah, so yeah. What, we just jibber-jabber in and then going into... You're going to ask about how to pitch publishers and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that and... Uh, um, and then after that, we will, um, so, all right, well, hey, um, nope, can't, okay, uh, and like, so, yeah, yeah, all right, so that's exciting. After that, we'll, yeah, we can, uh, you can pitch something, it can just, like, I mean, you can just totally, like, talk about a design you're working on, and it can be, like, your worst design that you have out there right now, because, like, uh, you've heard the show, so... I have. It's all good.